0: It's like, no matter where I go, all eyes on me. Everyone stop what you're doing, the human's moving. Ooh, and I breathe. One in many thousands, yeah, that's who I... now I need the whole room to freeze They're God blessin' me But I didn't even sneeze On their knees questioning excessively Wanna know my life expectancy Like it doesn't get to me Will get a hysterectomy or life worth living I don't watch TV Sounds like a gimmick Little people living in a big world Successful married couple that have kids Girl huh. Let me guess They eat dinner too My breath ain't been nothing but an interview That's not what I did or what I didn't do I learned to exploit all of this when I was introduced to the game Born in the lame medical debt The brain and body weren't identical yet We made a hell of a bet, a hypothetical mess And now I gives no fucks and it's incredible Yes, I'm still tangled up in the mic cable And not able to eat at high tables or live life stable I fit all your right labels but didn't get catcalled And ain't complaining at all they're like, Kaylin, you talk too much. And I'm like, shut up, you walk too much. Or is sex still the same? I'm like, nah, boo, hush. give me some confidence and now I got too much. Ah, the inspirational porn star. My cute wheelchair costs as much as your sports car. Look, we got enough problems, no need for you to call a cop or a senator who can't solve one. So tis the season, get a job, huh? Taking pics with Santa in the middle of the mall? Well, less you're good at bagging groceries or pushing carts through the snow freeze, but good thing for goodwill. Oh, please, every time I go to a show, I can't see a thing, but a park front row. But I don't ask for no pity. So why you rapping so shitty? There's a stairway to heaven, huh? So tell me how the hell we gonna get in? Well Lord knows where I'm heading it's hard out here for a camp. Yeah guns blows doors to the system yeah fuck them when we say when I'm with them we are solid and we
1: don't
2: Thank you so much. That was awesome. (laughs) All right. Welcome to Politically Pissed. My name is Saeed Charbini. I'm here with my co-hosts, Aris and Katya. Go ahead and say hi, y'all.
0: Hi, I'm Katya.
2: Yeah, what's up, y'all? And then, Kaylin, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and what you're running for and everything like that?
0: Sure. Uh, My name's Kaylin Rose Heffernan, and I'm not running for anyone. I'm not running for no one. But I'm sitting for mayor. I'm rolling for mayor. I got into this game because I'm a performer, and jumped in the race on April Fool's Day. Made a video They got enough traction that I felt like I had to jump in the race, rolling on a uh, platform that's all about access. Access to housing, access to education, access to wealth and income, access to public transportation. All the access. All access, everything.
2: So let me ask then. You said you got in your campaign on April Fool's. Yeah. I I don't want to take you as a joke, so I wanted to ask you. You're running up against a couple people that have a lot of money in the bank and a lot of things working in their favor. What are you going to do to overcome some of those to actually get into a position and make a a change?
0: Well, I'm never going to have all the money that they do. That's been the cool part about my campaign is because I am like a DIY artist We've been able to do a lot more with a lot less. I mean, I made the website. I made the logo. We made the video iPhone. Well,
2: and I want to cut you off just a little bit here because I want to say I mentioned it before we started. I thought your website was great. I actually do think your videos were great, too. Thanks. They were really informative and able to get the point across while being entertaining as well. And so, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think it's a huge thing to help you.
0: Yeah, so we're like, you know we're a campaign on a tampon string budget. We're really trying to see like you know how how to how to get involved in this system without the money and with the people and it's not an easy task because no. money money does a lot um we'd be able to pay ourselves and our friends like to do all the work that we've been doing um i'm the only candidate also that's uh still working so i still teach five days a week so yeah and that's that's another part of this this campaign is like access to politics and so like the whole time that i'm you know jumping in this race i've been transparent and like sharing that information of like you know no i can't do this you know But I think that the system, like, wants to keep people like me feeling like I can't. And then as soon as we, like, cross a barrier, like, oh, actually, we can file. Here's the process. We made a video about the process. And, like, oh, you do need money. Well, here's a video about, like, how we don't have the money and what we can do. Um, So, like, we're repurposing cash for house. We buy ugly houses signs instead of paying for signs and like we're using all of our campaign money to build ramps and feed people because that's a frustrating part for me as an artist and for me who like really cares about Denver is like with all the money that they've raised for their campaign I'm like yo we could do some really radical things solution-based things now rather than just waiting for a vote raising all this money to fight each other, you know?
2: I completely agree. And I think a couple of your videos on your website said that so succinctly, and it was beautiful. But let's go ahead and move into your platform, because we're talking about things you want to change. I want to start with a couple of my favorites, one of which is uh, demilitarizing the the police. Yeah. Uh, I believe this is a huge issue uh, from the drug war starting around, like, the 80s, 90s, the push to sort of militarize the police, give them bigger weapons, bigger... Vehicles, whatever they have, they have tanks now. Some yeah, artists have tanks. Like, absolutely. What does the police department need with a tank? Right. What can you tell me? What your plans are for here in Denver to do that?
0: Yeah, I I mean, you know, the police system was set up at, at, as a slave slave catcher system. You know, so it's fundamentally based in like corruption. You know, I'm not out here saying that like every cop is bad, but what we know is that people who are incarcerated are far more likely to be black and brown, far more likely to be people with disabilities, far more likely to be queers. Like, it's a systematic thing to keep people like us inside the house, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And so I think that if we were to take some of this public safety money used to criminalize people um, instead provide services and housing, it's been proven to be cheaper (laughs) and more effective and sustainable and this this city and what you know my like urgency to get involved even though it's been like what the hell am I doing is um there's so many homeless people dying you know and and the city has criminalized them they made it illegal and its violence you know gentrification is like this really hot topic right now but i think it's removing some of the violence behind this history of colonization this history of incarceration this history of like you know oppression and it's a very very violent act and um, and it's being perpetuated by the same people that say they're here to help. They're here to protect. And, and, you know, cops are playing this, like, double role right now in having to deal with, like, crisis, trauma-informed things that that's not their job. You know, their job is to, like, protect us from, like, really violent criminals. And so when they show up and they're trained to use their weapon and to protect themselves so quickly, we know who gets killed and shot you know it's typically people with disabilities people typically black and brown people typically Native American people and I've always been like on the front lines when when people are getting killed um, unjustly and and not not serving time for it you know so so it's a big thing to me too, and I work in the schools, and I see a lot of my students like getting incarcerated and locked up, and there's a lot more police presence at schools, and I'm like, yo, we need more counselors and social workers, mental health experts, and less cops. And and Eugene, Oregon has an awesome program that I would love to implement here called the Cahoots program, and Cahoots, Cahoots, okay. and they um are 24 seven trauma-informed crisis response um, that doesn't have law enforcement, so it would basically serve as like you know 24 seven ambulance but it's not just an ambulance they have mental health workers.
2: Um, How do you see that making an impact on the school to prison pipeline there <laughs>
0: I think I think it would make a huge mm-hmm. impact I And mean, is
2: it like do they actually have data or anything yet do you know?
0: it's actually pretty new so um you know but what we we know we know something we know we what happen. what kids are getting arrested for and and we know like how easy it is to get inside of the system and like how impossible it is sometimes to get out of it mm-hmm. um especially when you're being racially profiled all the time so i think yeah and and we know that, like, this country has profited from the prison pipeline. We know that the country's profiting on slave labor, you know, and we're, like, out here being like, yo, this is fundamentally wrong, you yeah. know, and what are ways we can solve it because, again, everybody's just raising money to, like, talk about issues, and it's like, yo, let's use that same money to just do something. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a concept. What a concept.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no,
3: um. Uh- it's interesting that you mentioned that, considering that we are the state who just now decided that we wanted to get rid of slavery. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, it's just so election, yeah. it's kind of, uh, it's very salient. My question, of course, would be, you talked about working in the schools. What do you see a pipeline for kids that's not prison-to-pipeline looking like? Is it a pipeline to labor? Is it a pipeline to education? Is it beyond? Like the
0: pipeline that I want to see? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I would like to see a, a pipeline to to empowerment and to community based employment, um, but also just like community based like activities. Right now, our our DPS school system is as segregated as it was back in the integration days, like uh, when we first tried to integrate schools. And, and a lot of the schools, that get shut down for poor performance, blah, blah, blah. Of course, black and brown kids, low-income neighborhoods. And we're still, like, using this school system that was used to keep kids in the factories, that was used to keep kids doing this slave labor stuff. And so, like, my class, and I'm lucky that I get to teach, like, this liberatory syllabus is that like we have to get our students to feel actively part of the community and that doesn't always look like grades and tests
2: (laughs) well no and I think you're right on that and I want to expand a bit because there's another part of your platform I want to talk about as well and I feel like affordable housing and just housing in general for students is a great place to start like once you're secure in the home and you make sure that they're able to eat they can generally have a better education mm-hmm. so i want to talk a little bit about affordable housing mm-hmm. and the idea of well i mean i see you live next to a train station mm-hmm. i mean is this an affordable housing unit this is this is so this is one of those ones that we've been talking about being near local transportation mm-hmm. and affordable to the people that you're talking about
0: yeah so this is denver housing Authorities redevelopment of the west side projects affordable housing is tricky it's important of course but what we know the way that affordable tra- the affordable housing is based on right now mm-hmm. is not affordable so right now the average median income is 76000 a year
2: what, can I find one of those jobs? <laughs> <I> know, <right? laughs>
0: okay, so if you're basing it on that number, which they have to, and you're prioritizing people in the sixty percent bracket of affordable housing, that that's that's the average income, and that's what you're you're saying now. They're poor. So the poor, poor people that like I know that I represent that I am is like well under 30% of that average median income and all these new these new people coming in is bumping that up and this relates to education too because the way that we fund our public schools is based on property values. So this is where I'm saying like this is a history of colonization and like tactics in modern day ways to keep communities like us pushed out. And so not only do they jack up the property values so that we can't afford to live here? But regardless, if they prop, if they push up the property values, we can't go to school here either. Or the schools that are going to get better funded now because the property values, those kids can't live here. So it's like, it's this nasty, nasty like cycle. And we just, uh, a, a study just came out this week, that we are the most gentrifying city for Hispanic Chicano Latinx community in the whole country, and we have Thank like you, uh, ter- we don't have very good dr- uh, graduation rates. Like our public schools' rating is not very high. Our disparity between Black and Brown schools Charlie and schools. white schools performing very very big it's one of the biggest disparity gaps in the country and now we have this new model where they'll take an entire school and separate it into four different schools mm-hmm. so now you got kids going to the same school different hallways and the black and brown kids can't even have access to like these nice, nicer playgrounds or like the nicer textbooks or the more trained educators, and you're in the same building. It's like, it's all racism, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? It's everywhere. It's gross.
2: Well, speaking of racism, uh, there were two other ones I want to talk about. I know that Eris wanted to touch on them more than I did.
3: Yeah, so, no, as we are talking about these disparities, especially among you know black and brown communities and other communities that tend to be marginalized, for us, we were lo- thinking about um, your platform on protecting immigration Mm -hmm. and so what does that look like for you
0: um so yeah we're a sanctuary city which is awesome but uh ice is rounding people up still and so if we're gonna be a sanctuary city i think we also have to do more to protect those people that we're saying are allowed here another thing that while I agree with the, you know, making this a sanctuary city and keeping it one, a lot of organizations lost federal funding because the federal government was like, oh, if you're going to be a sanctuary city, we're going to cut funding. My organization lost money that I teach at. And so, like, some of the same organizations that help immigrant people... <laughs> cut cut funding and like if the city's going to take a hard stance like that we have to like also protect the people that are fighting to protect them there's a really cool place um called Casa Casa de Paz um and they house immigrant families either like newly removed from ICE or they help they help families go and visit their separated family members um and and you know that's a volunteer based organization. I have a friend right now who just had to go back into sanctuary at a church. So we're putting the burden on these volunteer organizations, these churches and like I'm glad that, you know, the community's stepping up to hold this, but if the city's saying we're gonna be a sanctuary city, like the city should also be providing sanctuary safe places. But that's that's also housing which, you know, <laughs> immigrant population isn't able to afford to live here very easily either. So it all goes hand in hand, and you know, the one thing about being a disabled person that I like to bring it all back to is that, you know, disability intersects with all of these communities. And when we, when we stack, you know, disability with immigration or when we stack disability with black and brown, when we stack disability with queers, you know, of course, our oppression and lack of access just increases. So I feel like we always represent, you know, the the quickest, <laughs> quickest to go crew.
2: The largest margin- yeah. yeah.
0: If we want to play oppression Olympics, you know, <coughs> we so usually far win. Far away ahead, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, did you want to talk about unions too? Or?
3: Yeah. So, of course, and actually I wanted to talk more about
2: Amazon because...
3: If we're going to talk about unions, we should just talk about Amazon and um, the fact that they pulled out in New York. Mm -hmm. They're probably looking for another headquarters.
0: They didn't pull out. Uh, Well, they they were kicked out. They were kicked kicked out. out. Sort of. The community fought them.
3: I think Como would be like, but we still want them. (laughs) 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 But at the same time, they might be looking for a new headquarters. We did the whole... Rigamore Roll the last time, where mm-hmm. we thought it was a good idea for their HQ2 to be here. We put together packages for them to move here. Is that something that you, how do you view that if we t- decide to go forward and to try to bring in more industry the way that we tried to bring in Amazon the first time?
0: Well, I would fight very hard to keep Amazon out of here. I get to sit next to the mayor now at these mayoral forums and debates, and what we know is that this is a dude and an administration that's, like, really excited about hosting companies like Amazon and our economy. They love to be like, our economy, our economy, our employment rate dropped, and I'm like, yo, there's still people that have two to three jobs and still can't afford to live here. Um, So that's where I see the city really prioritizing is people like that. And we have two mayoral candidates, the mayor himself, that are taking a large amount of money from developers, from private businesses. The mayor got money from Walmart. You can't even have a Walmart in Denver. Denver has made it so that Walmart can't come here and he's getting campaign contributions from them. <laughs> so like I that's not me and I'm like very pro union and pro like supporting local industries, local businesses, not just for the middle, upper class white business folk, which that's who I see. Really capitalizing on Denver. It's not like the black and brown owned businesses. It's not like disability <laughs> groups, you know?
2: Well, I mean, you talk about that too. And uh, I read something online when I was doing some research, and apparently you told Albus Brooks to his face, Why are you here? And nobody likes you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Are there any other people in the city council maybe that you see that are, like, obviously Aldous, but any other people you see that are doing stuff like that?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of them are in bed with the, all these same developers and public or private interest groups. Alvis Brooks and the mayor drafted the urban camping ban, which makes it illegal to sleep, which makes it illegal to have a blanket, which makes it illegal to eat in public. Of course, only enforced against people who, quote-unquote, look homeless or are a non-desirable and so, yeah, it's like these, these people want to keep people homeless. They want to keep people out of sight, out of mind. And, and one thing that I love to keep telling them into their face right now is like, this isn't a growth problem. This isn't a money problem. This is a priority problem. There's enough vacant condos and apartments right now in the city to house the entire state's homeless population
2: but where's the money in that right <laughs> no i agree and I, honestly it's for me the money is in it because when you start housing those people you start taking them off the streets which means they get sick less which means they get injured less which mm-hmm. means the hospitals spend less money and the state spends less money
0: right it, it but that's the thing it's not about the money i mean like the denver businesses the albus brooks and mayor hancock used to push forward the urban camping ban right now are spending over two million dollars to fight the right to survive if you type in Denver votes right now the first thing that's going to come up is a sponsored ad no on 300 like can you imagine how pe- how many people we could house with two million dollars you yeah, know yeah. like this isn't about solutions this isn't about community and and people love to say, like, well, it doesn't solve the issue. And it's like, yeah, well, guess what? Like, they still deserve the rights. To-
2: it may not solve it, but it helps.
0: No, and, yeah. and and no matter what kind of plan that we get towards, like, housing people first, it's not going to happen overnight. Like, the city hasn't even said anything, and it has to be taken as an emergency. And so, you know, the city's working on plans for 2040, it's like, okay, well until then can my friends like sleep? Because like that's that's torture. That's international torture. That's like ethnic cleansing. This is like violating international human rights. And that's Al that's Alvis Brooks. So like I'm I'm very pro Candy Sadabaca taking his seat. I'm very pro Annie Martinez who's actually lives in this neighborhood too. To to represent the west side There's another great guy Named uh, Miguel Ceballos That is running in district Eight who has some really forward Thinking like actions To to support community And the right to survive That's a pretty big line between Mm -hmm. right and wrong For me and you're seeing a lot of Politicians that That are campaigning That just like won't endorse And won't, won't jump on board And it's like yo that's (laughs) <laughs> that's that's a human right you know and we'd be the first city actually to give homeless people quite the protection that that's on the ballot so really really going for that and I'm really hoping that we could register and support more people experiencing homeless to vote in this in this election because that's another big problem is you know only 26% of registered voters turned out the last couple municipal elections.
2: Well, it's also hard for homeless people to vote because you have yes to have an is. address.
0: Not true. No? Not here. Okay. Yeah, we're working do on we do it. How um, You can actually list, like, an intersection. You can list the library. And we have a list of places that will accept your mail-in ballot for you, some shelters, some service providers. Oh. The big trick is going to be supporting them the day of. We're leading up into actually turning in, you know. So Denver election office is my new best friend. And they've done a really great job and they work really hard to make voting accessible and to get rid of those barriers. But we know that when you're like literally fighting to survive every night, like voting is the last thing you're thinking about, you know. And so we we need to build more relationships with this community so that we could get them to the vote, at least for the right to survive. Hopefully for somebody that they have some kind of relationship that they think are going to represent them in the city election.
1: Who would you support for Denver Clerk and Recorder because they're an integral part of getting people to vote, access to vote?
0: What's her name? Pay Pearl? Yes. Okay. Right?
1: Yeah, that she she's running. Yeah, she's the woman running. It's Peg Pearl versus uh, Paul Lopez. Paul right? Lopez. Yeah.
0: I think I'm gonna go Peg Pearl at, as of right now. Okay. Paul Lopez is a cool person. He served in the city council for a while. I think um, he came from the activist side, but to me, Peg Pearl seems the least invested, or like has has that um, agenda as a as a politician. I'm still a little there. There, I think. I think Paul Lopez is uh, fundamentally like an okay guy. I do too. Yeah, but uh, but I I think I'm I think Meg's a little more on my tip, a little more power, more more radical. Fair enough.
2: Yeah. Um, cool. I want to talk to you about a little bit about your activism too, because cool. I know you've done a lot of stuff around town. The main thing I want to start with was. Or you were part of the sit-in for Cory Gardner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to hear a little bit about that. There were a lot of members of the disabled community there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were there to stop the GOP from repealing the Affordable Care Act, mm-hmm. correct? That's right. So tell us about the goals you had for that, if you felt you reached them, any positives or negatives that came from that and stuff mm-hmm.
0: like that. Yeah, so like, you know, I've always been a kid on the front lines It gets kind of like, I get off on civil disobedience and being on the front lines of mass movements. So I've been to Standing Rock. You know, I was part of Occupy. And my band, because we travel, I get to kind of see some of these movements everywhere else. So, you know, I've been at the rallies for Trayvon Martin for Jesse Martinez, for almost everybody killed by the cops here in town, Black Lives Matter. And I had never gotten a hold of adapt and i have always like wanted to support better and collaborate with them i remember hitting them up way 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 back as a band member that's like hey let me throw a benefit show and i had a hell of a time getting a hold of them and then i went to texas and played an inaccessible concert (laughs) and adapt got Back to me and were pissed at me <laughs> for playing this show in Texas that wasn't accessible that also like what uh, it's not like I signed up to play an inaccessible place, but south by just South happened to be yeah. yeah South by Southwest put the only wheelchair performer with the name wheelchair in their band name uh, upstairs can I just inter-
1: interject here I think when you have something that's that's inaccessible is it's just I can't say it's just as bad as uh, civil rights segregation but I I think it's almost getting there
0: and and that's that's an argument that they had like you know you wouldn't you wouldn't wrap at a place that doesn't allow queers or blacks but you're exactly playing here I I would say that we still have a pretty long ways to go before the whole world is accessible And as, like, an independent artist, like, I didn't have, I don't feel like I have the opportunity to turn down every inaccessible show. Uh, But now the burden's on me, and I have to, like, make those hard choices. You know, I play in Mexico. So like I'd, I I can't <laughs> yeah, very
2: different laws. Than we <laughs> Yeah, did I can't
0: play only accessible shows over there. I probably wouldn't play. Um, huh. So I finally got a hold of Adapt, but it was on like a hate hate mail tip, and then. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but no, I and it, I wasn't mad. Like I see that frustration, I hear that argument, and I think that that's a very like fair and valid argument. That being said, me as an entertainer, it's like. Do I make more of a difference by boycotting this? Or do I make more of a difference by being carried up the stairs and talking about it to a stage full of people who've never thought about it before? Yeah. No. That's true. Yeah. Depends where I go. There's certain places that like that's a harder line. Here I feel like locally I'm been not okay gonna for that. Huh?
2: Was Austin receptive to that? No. No, not at all. No.
0: But we've since we've since like had had better communication. So, back to the question, sorry. (laughs) This is is me and activism and and how I got into ADAPT. So I'm wearing an ADAPT hoodie on, on our CD cover well before I ever got a hold of ADAPT, well before I even knew it started here or the history of Denver. And I saw something, like, I think on Facebook, it was pretty, like, encrypted. There was, like, Action Tomorrow and I had seen uh, the ADAPT crew in D.C. getting arrested at Mitch McConnell's office for the same protest to demand, you know, keep our Medicaid. And so I called, I I messaged somebody, I don't even know how it happened, but Dawn ended up calling me. I had never met her and she's like, hey, can you come tomorrow? I was like, what's tomorrow? She's like, we're going to show up at Cory Gardner's um, and we're going to do an action about this this new Trump health care bill. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll be there because I had the day off. And she's like, OK, there's going to be a group inside and there's going to be a group outside. Can you get arrested? And it was the first time in all my activism that I knew, like, yes, because getting arrested can also like be a badge of honor in the activist mm-hmm. crews and it's like to me not always been the most and you also have to have a kind of privilege to be able to get uh voluntarily yeah. arrested yeah sure you have, you have to be able to get out. Yeah, you be like <laughs> out attorneys like yeah everything. and yeah. safety you know so but I knew. I was like, yes, yes. So I called my ho- my homie and I was like, hey, I might not make it to class tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know what this is going to be like. We showed up. Um, there was about nine of us, eight of us, wheelchairs, nine of us. And we were all women. And we slept in the senator's office for two nights and a long day. It was 60 hours. They didn't let us use their bathroom for a while so i got to pee in the senator's office that was like really <laughs> yeah, piss on, pity. yeah. <laughs> piss on pity it almost became a shit in but <laughs> 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 but once they brought in uh uh stuff so that we could go to the bathroom they they finally opened the bathroom and it worked as far as its effectiveness like Yeah, there is no Trump health care. We haven't lost our Medicaid yet. There's no, you know, they're going to keep trying to repeal Affordable Care Act. They're going to keep trying to take away our Medicaid every corner they get. But that was a big bill that was like $800 million cut from Medicaid within 10 years. And that's not happening. Uh, We made national headlines. Um, I was really cool for me being like a younger person and kind of from like the outside that I was able to bring a much different audience to what we were doing and vice versa. And it was such a like beautiful, amazing way for me to learn like that intersection and the history of Denver because I was like in this really weird space of activism where I was starting to get, like, really frustrated and mad that disability was not part of this conversation when it comes to intersectionality. We were always last on the list. I almost performed for Bernie. He wasn't talking about us. None of these protests that I noop everybody by first name, was talking about us and I was like yo we intersect with all of these people you're talking about how can you leave us out and then it became this self-reflection of like what am I doing for the disability community who's my crew of people with disabilities and I didn't have that and I was like you know you haven't been doing the work like it's easier to blame everybody else than it is yourself and so I was like really down about everything and how you know I knew more about civil rights and women's suffrage and the queer movement than I knew about disability justice and so it was like such an awesome time for me to like put myself in it and learn the history and learn the yo, this all started here, and this is why we have the ADA. This is why I'm able to take the bus and have been since I was a kid. This is why we have curb cuts. And I'm here with some of the same women that were around that, that founding crew of ADAPT. So it was, like, a really beautiful moment. And for me, my Black Lives Matter shirt, you know, it was, like, also a good opportunity for me to speak on behalf of the people that weren't represented in that office. And so, yeah, it was it was a beautiful. That was the most empowering like direct action I've ever been part of. I mean, standing rock was a real spiritual journey for sure as well. I wasn't on the front lines quite like that.
1: For me, I realized at, I think it was the 25th anniversary of the ADA. Like that's all that our generation has ever known mm-hmm. is the ADA. And without it, a lot of us would never have been as successful and independent in our lives. And that was a really big breakthrough for me. Yep. And like you said, like, am I putting the work in as my, one of my best friend Derek says, am I still pissing fire? and getting the work done
0: myself Mm because it's a lot of work it's a lot of work especially when you're trying to survive and you're trying to get your medical costs covered and you're trying to coordinate transportation and personal care attendance like i know why you don't see more of us out at these civil disobedience things you know so it's it's got to be up to more people to like shine light on why we're not represented and, like, the barriers to that. I mean, I've been on a million marches that go over medians, that take inaccessible routes, you know, and I'm like, come on, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right here, <laughs> you know?
2: I yeah. understand.
3: No, and to Katya's point, right, we were talking about actually me and you were together during yes. the anniversary. Um Well, during one of the big anniversaries for the ADA I, but we also have to remember that was long enough ago that we should be sad that we haven't made more progress.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, talking about progress, you sat in to protest cory gardner Mm -hmm. hopefully next year we can get him replaced yes god Um, i wanted to talk about a couple candidates and see if you had any opinions or anything about them and Mm -hmm. see what you think Mm -hmm. so um i'll just list off a couple real quick there's andrew Romanoff and mike johnson are the big two that have jumped in so far but there's also like Lorena garcia or danielle combo i don't know if you know either of them
0: let me see this uh i have some campaign literature from a chick Running. (laughs) Lorena Garcia. I met Lorena Garcia, and she seemed pretty awesome. I mean, we still have a little bit more time for that one. We do. Um, That's November, but...
2: 2020,
0: yeah. Yeah. I would love to see somebody else. Um, As far as Mike Johnston, and who was the other one? Uh, Andrew I have a hard time, you know, trusting these seasoned politicians who make, you know... A career decision to jump into politics for, for their their careers. Well, in the in
3: case in the case of Mike Johnson, legacy Boom, politician, that's what I was going
2: for, <laughs> right? Legacy of charter schools, honestly. Legacy yeah. of
3: charter schools, legacy of being the son of a politician. Yeah, yeah you know,
1: you know. Romanoff also a yep. has yeah.
0: a anti-immigrant kind. Yeah, too. I'm not I'm not yep. super excited about either of those two. As soon as I. I don't even know like everything about them. I knew more about Mike Johnston because we had to vote, you know, for or against him. So, and I'm I'm very pro public schools, (laughs) Um, and that was that was the thing that pushed me over to Polis. So, yeah, I was I'm 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 excited to see more about Lorena and, and what she's done and what she's gonna keep doing up until the election. I think she's probably. She's probably my go-to right now.
2: Well, and I want to talk about a couple of potential candidates I saw online as well. Oh, cool. Well, one of which was Kerry Kennedy. Another was Joe Salazar. And then I even saw something that suggested Diana DeGette might be thinking about it.
0: I would love... I'm Joe Salazar for anything he runs I saw that coming. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Joe Salazar is a, a, a person of the people, for sure. I actually got to know him a little bit better at Standing Rock, nice. so um, yeah. Joe Salazar was there when we got out of jail. Joe Salazar is my dude. So whatever he decides to run for, he's got uh, your vote. Our, <laughs> he's got my support. <laughs> <laughs> <Kind> <laughs> I was hoping here, that he yeah, was gonna get that attorney general. That was so close. I. It was so close. So that
2: he could destroy Tabor.
0: Yeah. I knew he would have. And a couple yeah. of
1: other people, but yeah. in my book, but. Yeah. And by the way, how was the Slimmer? How was what? The how slammer. was the Slimmer? Yes. Oh,
0: it was awful. It Please was I actually aw- do go yeah. into detail. Can
2: you explain a little bit, like, maybe about how jails maybe aren't accessible as well and stuff like that? How they treat, like, t-
0: sure yeah um this is my first time going to jail um i hope it's your last <laughs> i've been trying to go to jail for a really long time <laughs> <laughs>
2: for for good reason There's, no not <laughs> no, for, just, quite just for quite the reason. same reasons
0: uh i've been in enough trouble that i could have and should have gone to jail for <laughs> many, many things Thanks, but i am a candidate. white girl i speak fluent cop Uh, (laughs) I know how to get out of trouble Uh, And it was always my friends And like my mom (laughs) Would go to jail And I would get everybody out of trouble So I have always wondered What that What the inside is like We ended up spending 17 hours In processing Which is worse than Being in a cell
2: If I'm telling the truth I mean that's not unheard of no, probably like not. Sit there for a long time sometimes.
0: And it's like a very intentionally freezing room. There's metal benches with separators so that you can't lay out. So it was already at night, and then we're seventeen hours in this cooler. All they're serving is bologna sandwiches and milk, which I refused. It was freezing. It was awful. It was uncomfortable, you're not sleeping, like you can't sleep properly. And then we had all said that we didn't need like any medical assistance or any special accommodations. Mm-hmm. None of us asked for that and they still put us like in solitary medical ward. So from my understanding is that most people would involve disabilities Significant disabilities end up going into solitary for your own safety,
2: or is it for convenience,
0: <laughs> or liability, or? Yeah. Said, what is solitary?
2: Solitary is where you're in a room by yourself. Yeah. Oh, that's what it
0: means. So you're not with the general population. Nope. You're in your own cell, isolated even more, yeah. and you're there for 23 hours. And it
2: was just one person in each room, then, right? They didn't yeah. actually double except,
0: up except um. They did double up um, Rob Stevens and I. And it actually ended up working to our benefit because I refused to eat. And so I was, like, puking. And because I had a nurse checking on me every two hours, I was able to eat crackers and Gatorade. And actually, on the inside, like, it was interesting that a lot of the staff and stuff, they couldn't, like, openly say we support what you did but like it felt everybody knew who we were and why we were there and when we went into the medical ward there were people with disabilities like hey you did that like we know who you are and why you're here and y'all are heroes so it was actually pretty cool way to get arrested and reason to get arrested and then when we got out of jail I was the first one to be released there was like a crowd of 300 people Joe Salazar was there Leslie Herod a state representative was there there were people that camped out since we had got arrested there. yeah, <laughs> You were there, thank you So it was a pretty cool way to get out of jail That's a, yeah, so and yeah, a, than <laughs> Pretty cool reason God, to did. go to jail for it Compared to all the other reasons That I should have went to jail for
1: Kerry, Lucas got a misdemeanor What was the reason for that?
0: so Carrie Ann got charged with interference because she refused to tell the cops how to operate her chair (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was hilarious it was awesome and it's my favorite thing like story R.I.P. Carrie Ann and it was like so badass to watch her be like I'm not resisting, I'm just comply I'm just not complying <laughs> like she i know my life. I know my legal rights here, you know, like, oh. and she knew it way more than me. I'm just like the scrappy little rapper that has to like watch what I say and do <laughs> and how I say things because mm. I'm in an office full of veteran women who have law degrees, and you know yeah. like they were they were my like mentor heroes and it was also just so funny and ironic to watch them take her in an RTD bus by herself which is you know made accessible thanks to the same group yeah. of protesters that <laughs> you're arresting so that was that was my favorite oh, Carrie uh yeah. Lucas memory of getting arrested with her
2: thank you for sharing that no, no, yeah. thank it you good. Okay, so I think we're done with sort of the interview part now, and we want to move into a couple other topics that's going on around the state. Cool.
3: I still think we should talk about this electric car thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like the we one can I talk want. about that, too. Because I think that one fits um, perfectly. And, actually, you, know, you want to start with that, then? Running from Arab Denver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Let's do that one. That one's actually really good. Okay. We could. Well, you introduced these sections, so I, I'm still going to
2: let you <laughs> Oh, so Alex Valdez is the primary sponsor and then in the House, and then Brittany Pedersen and Faith Winter in the Senate. Essentially, they they figured it was important for them to push forward a bill that said electric vehicles could use the toll lanes for free. I guess to help, you know, and push people towards electric vehicles, but also to, quote, reduce anxiety about running out of energy (laughs) in their car.
0: Something Hmm. like that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah.
2: Um, So... I mean, what do you think of that? Like, I mean, it's kind of special treatment for sounds like the rich people.
0: Yeah. Um well, I'm I'm way supportive of, you know, divesting from fossil fuel and going to to more sustainable ways. I don't know anybody that's going to be able to afford an electric car and as somebody who needs a car right now and can't afford a a wheelchair equipped vehicle i bet i definitely can't afford that so i I, my whole platform and like my whole thing about transportation which is such a hot topic right now is public transportation like it would alleviate traffic it would like alleviate parking yeah we gotta incentivize people to like commute via mass transit because that's the only way for me it is uh, yep.
2: Me and Eris were talking about it a little bit before we got here about mass transit and just the city's idea of especially the train or the RTD light rail. If you were going to be mayor, how do you see improving that to make it more accessible either for, you know, disabled community or just people in general around town?
0: This is perfect um, timing because the reason I was taking a nap before y'all got here is I got stuck downtown because the light rails didn't show up and it was... Oh.
3: Which, unfortunately, is a common occurrence it's around here. It's a very here. common occurrence. Yeah.
0: And the mayor loves to say that we live in this world-class city. You cannot catch the light rail after midnight during the weekdays. And on the weekends, oh, yeah. you're supposed to be able to catch it. I waited for one. It was freezing. There were crowds of people waiting at every stop. And we waited and we waited and we waited. And I ended up having to roll home. It was freezing and freezing. I was so mad and this is like this isn't new. You know I've been riding the bus since I was a kid and you get stuck downtown if you're trying to do anything um, especially later at night our public transportation system is cost us the most money per fares mm-hmm. than the whole country we pay more than New York we pay more than Chicago and our service is crap Like they're limiting bus stops in poor neighborhoods every day and they're putting all the money and funding into these flashy light rails that go to Littleton and that go to Arvada and that are going to these places that already have access and it drives me nuts! So like I would super invest way more in public transportation. The trick is that Denver's public transportation is RTD and they're like their own entity. Um, And transit is under public works right now. There's not its own department. Mm -hmm. So they're talking about moving transit into its own department field, um, which I'm interested in how that might work. Mm -hmm. The other reality is that all the people in charge at RTD don't ride the bus. The CFO of RTD makes three times as much as our governor.
3: Yeah, no, it becomes a <laughs> real it's a real hectic thing right like i've had to walk through five points when five points was still five points in the middle of the night because uh, uh, an rtd like because the light rail stopped working and then there wasn't a bus to get me where i needed to go you, you live in five points no but it was a good you way go for me hill, to get right? to work i lived it in park hill and well, it used to be you catch it light rail and then you could take the bus up and you'd be fine getting home.
0: and then they <laughs> cut the d line they limited the D line service in the blackest neighborhood on MLK Day.
3: Yeah, it is. Tell me, it tell, is tell ridiculous. me why <laughs>
0: MLK Day? Why did they choose that day? I was teaching at Manual when they cut the line, oh. and um, I teach. You know, didn't didn't Manual close or something? Or manual had been closed for like six okay. plus yes, years, um, and now it's reopened. Thank you, reopened. Michael Bennett. <laughs> the oh, principal shatters, got pushed out. Uh, right around the whole mayor's scandal with the text messages with the woman. And the woman happened to be the principal's sister. Oh. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> I was there during all of this. And then I had to do a mayoral forum debate at Manuel the other night. Not one candidate talked about education. Did you? Yeah. Good. Of course. No, that's... <laughs> But like you know You have to go on the questions So there was no questions About education Luckily I brought it up In my opening statement And about like The gentrification displacement But
2: I got- you were in a school That like like, just epitomize that. that's yeah. the battleground <laughs> exactly. for like
0: black students, yeah. black and brown black students. And Latino, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. and it's still the place that every white person is so happy to say that they went to during busing. Now they're like, <laughs> Yeah, I went to manual, I'm not and racist. Manual,
0: <laughs> yeah, the mayor is alumni, like, they people love to rep manual, yeah, but like, where but
3: they where don't want to support it and they like it in That
2: token that's what it is.
0: Right? <laughs> 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 Yes. <laughs> yes, it's real. I can't believe I'm like so. I'm so on the inside right now. <laughs> this is what I do. I feel like I'm in grad school. I'm like doing homework every night and like nice. answering questionnaires and like. Yep. Wow. What a what a prank I pulled on myself. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. Keep yourself all this homework. <laughs> uh,
2: but. but no, we appreciate it. We appreciate you speaking with us today. We really do.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the. Yeah, I'm not I'm not about that electric thing. I do think we have to incentivize sustainable car usage, but those aren't Accessible to the average well, person. When you think right about now. It, I
2: mean, you mentioned it too. Yeah, they shut down production. Yeah,
3: they shut down production of the of What would have been the affordable electric cars? Or because high mileage gas cars. Exactly, and it's just kind of one of those things where, as we have seen, the industry move towards more expensive vehicles that are SUVs and trucks, especially with GM being like sedans don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. It's one of those areas where they can say well I might drive an affordable electric car and I'm like well they don't make that electric car anymore mm-hmm. so you're incentivizing people in the highest bracket who should be paying the right. tolls who have right. the right. means right. to pay these tolls yep. uh, they have the means to pay for a fast pass and yet that's not what they want to do they also don't want to you know, decide mm-hmm. to build Hot, heavy rail and more light rail systems that are accessible and can take people places. Totally right. I mean, I know people who work at Boulder who don't make that much money, so they live down here, and they go, "Yeah, there's not a good way for me to get to work." Right? Like, there's not even the basic way for me to get to work outside you have to of
0: take those, those like charter them. buses. Yep, and yeah. they cost like a lot more.
3: They cost a lot more. Yeah, you know, there's like three stops if you're taking the flyer flyer from Denver yeah. to yeah. <laughs> so Boulder. Making your commute even longer. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. We, we need. I I agree with you. I would like to see more mass transit and that actually functions. Tra- you're
0: in this traffic that everybody has to wait in, including the bus. Yep. And and Annie Martinez, who's running for District Three, she has some cool uh, progressive ideas about creating city-owned union-share ride services. That are accessible, that are union, and that actually are a share model because we're allowing Uber and Lyft to come in here, and make all this money. They're increasing traffic in every city that they've been at, and they're not even providing access. Like, they're violating yeah. the ADA. Inaccessible. Yeah, yeah, they're violating the ADA, you know, and yet, like, oh, they can be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can be here, but the homeless can't. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Dan you. Pabone,
0: for that. For opening
1: <laughs> that Pandora box.
2: Okay, so we're pretty much at our hour that we usually do. Um, do you want to go into one more topic, or do you guys want to share final thoughts? Final thoughts
1: sounds good. No, it's
3: final, thoughts. final thoughts.
2: Well, I want to start with to- my final thought for the week is going to be about the red flag or ERPO bill. Uh, we spoke extensively about it last week. We discussed the pitfalls and where it might help and stuff like that. Or, But it looks like the bill will be headed to the governor's desk uh, probably this next week. After we post this, it'll be last week. The Senate denied adding language. that. Uh, so Republican senators tried to add language that gun owners could seek legal action or court costs if they are found to be in, uh, It's a malicious complaint. Uh, They also denied psychological evaluations prior to using the order to remove weapons, which I think might have been a nice step in there if they're really trying to address mental health here, as well as public safety, maybe requiring that the person before you take their weapons has to go through a psychological evaluation, which may actually prove to be helpful. I don't know. But I have issues with it. I I get the the goal behind it, and they're trying to help people. But at the same time, I, I believe in gun rights too, so...
3: That's, that's my final thought. Okay. All right. Cool. Amen. Cool.
0: Yep. No, my final thought is fuck you, DU. Yeah. <laughs> you know.
2: Oh, yeah. He said fuck you to DU and see you quite often. I tonight.
3: pretty much do this all the time because... Again, as somebody who studies higher education, I really get annoyed when people try to make these grand sweeping statements talking about how they are moving towards more diversity and inclusion by eliminating things that, yes, we know are problematic. Okay, great, you guys are done taking the SAT and the ACTs to make students qualify to get in. But I also know that you are not lowering your tuition, you are not providing more scholarship money, and therefore your play to get more black and brown students, oh, by the way, you have 117 black students, fuck you. There's (laughs) There's 6,000 <laughs> people there. Yeah. But if you're not going to actually be transparent and make real substantial change, this little thing that you're doing doesn't do us any good. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you're just making it so some mediocre white kid can go there that really shouldn't be there. I would prefer you just take the money like USC and Yale, but whatever.
1: Hashtag yeah. I just got to say. I'm kind of over this so-called Fab Five in the Colorado Senate. You girls aren't the Fab Five. It's the queer eyes of Fab Five. <laughs> and this Can you elaborate
2: gonna, a little on that one. So?
1: Yeah. Um, well, first of all, uh, Yas Queen. Like yeah. th- <laughs> those boys have much more attitude and and frankly courage than y- you girls do. This is gonna take me a lot to say this on the mic, but Faith Winner. If you're really going to run on a on a platform of sexual harassment, please call back the women who were who had enough courage themselves to stand up and and call out uh, senators who other senators bes- besides Steve Lebsock. I was one of those women, and I would appreciate a phone call or email back on the workplace harassment bill that you are currently sponsoring. Mm. I know I'm not one of your five five, but. I think I could add a little bit to your bill, as as well as some other women.
0: Mm. Are these the same five that uh, just voted to keep Columbus Day a holiday?
1: I don't know. It's it, no, they're there's okay. they're uh, it's basically Brittany Pedersen, uh, Faith Winner, and they're f- f- they oh, they're all were bridesmaids together apparently.
0: Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> My thought of the week is like build relationships with the people that are left out of these conversations the people that aren't always tuning in because they maybe can't be you know this campaign has been doing everything we can to like host cool events that are accessible inclusive free they feed people and they're fun because like politics aren't fun (laughs) and that's how they keep us out you know the revolution's got to be sexy and if we're you know this has to be an irresistible thing and like the more events that i go to like the traditional candidate things it's like yeah no wonder none of my people are in this quote-unquote democratic process because like this isn't a party for us you know, this is a party for, like, an elite. And so we have a lot of events coming up. Like, follow follow Kalyn, K-A-L-Y-N, number four, Mayor. Um, I'm on all the social medias. and. What's your website? Uh, Kalyn, K-A-L-Y-N, four, mayor.com. Um, we got an event Sunday where we're repurposing... The Cash for Ugly Houses, We Buy Ugly Houses, predatory real estate signs that are colonizing our poor communities. And we're going to turn them into Kalen for Mayor Signs. Awesome. Um, The Sunday after that, we're throwing a queer dance party called Politics Are a Drag Show at (laughs) Blush and Blue. It's going to be all ages. We got some really dope organizations that are going to be there that fight for queer youth, um, sex workers outreach project, queer youth of color. Uh, So we want to get that team more engaged in this process. We also know there are high rates of homelessness, suicide, assault, victims of abuse, the list goes on and on. Uh, especially queer youth with disabilities, especially those that are black and brown, you know the story. And then the Sunday after that, April 14th, we're throwing a Battle of the Bands pay-to-play show at the High Dive. Because as a musician, I know this popularity contest game that promoters will like have you sell your own tickets. And you give them like maybe a dollar for every ticket that you sell. And you're now the promoter. And it's, we call it pay to play. Mm-hmm. And, and politics, I've seen firsthand, is pay to play. People aren't even taking my campaign seriously. A, because I make funny jokes, duh. And I wear a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> but also, the reality is they're not taking me seriously because we don't have money. Uh, because we don't have the money that it, all these other campaigns do. And I would say that, like, we're doing way more with the money that we have raised. But this is a pay to play system. So we're just trying to, like, find creative, cool, exciting ways to engage people that don't typically vote or people that are voting and it's just, like, dry. You know, so so stay involved, create those relationships and like make sure that you're really like peer pressuring your people to vote this May 7th because there's a couple things that really impact us. And it's it's not just about like my candidacy. It's like, you know, these things uh, really affect us and they will as soon as the vote's over. So and we got to pull votes away from the mega money. The Walmart.
2: Everybody who's listening, donate.
0: Donate. Donate.
3: Absolutely. Donate and support. And if you don't want to go to a place where you have to wear a stuffy suit and eat dry chicken, (laughs) go to one of these events (laughs) instead.
0: And a dollar, like seriously, a dollar is awesome. I just found out there's this, I don't know if I can say this, but I'm going to. There's a Denver Post mayoral forum coming up, debate thing. They are only allowing candidates that have raised over $50,000 or 200 individual contributions. So if we get $201 contributions, I'll be able to participate in this quote-unquote democratic process. And when <laughs> when is this? I don't know. Okay. It's just okay. like well, some, to some rumors flying. Let's yeah. see if we can hustle it up. All right. Yeah. yeah so so vote, um, so. get involved. You can volunteer. You can help us out. But all the money that we're raising, we're spending to build ramps. We're building ramps that are going to outlast this election, outlast these politicians. We are feeding people. We fed over 200 unhoused neighbors at the shelters and not just like stale bagels but we had pozole and enchiladas and frijoles and green chili and and we're making art because like this campaign is trying to highlight the reasons why i think creativity is more important than knowledge because we have to like reimagine we can't just keep fighting inside of this box you know like the box is designed to be a box yeah, we have to like creatively reimagine what it means to be a leader, what it means to be a community organizer, what it means to campaign, what it means to podcast. Okay, I'll shut no, up. No, you're good. No, I appreciate <laughs> that.
2: Thinking outside the box is great. But well, that is all the time we have for this week. So I want to say thank you for listening.
0: And, <laughs> thank you. Yep, and everybody thanks wants for to say being goodbye. in my little messy apartment.
3: Oh, thank you for having us. And uh, be easy, y'all.
0: See you later.
1: We're <laughs> in them we're solid and we don't need to kick them this is no south east and western yeah guns close doors to the system yeah fuck them when we say we're not with them we're solid and we don't